Hey y'all, welcome back to the channel. I do want to apologize for the little hiatus we had, but I was working on some new stuff, including the new Top Down Podcast. It'll be a new series that I'm doing with my friend Connor, where we are basically just going to talk about everything relating to gaming. So we really hope you enjoy, and we're just going to go ahead and hop right into it. I'm going to throw it over to Connor. Hello, my name's Connor. Um, today we're going to be talking about our favorite games. Um, we felt like this was a good first episode to get us introduced to y'all. So without further ado, I guess we'll jump into that. For me, I have a list of games here, and I really want to start this off with my favorite game of all time. Like, hands down, don't talk to me. This is it for me. And that's Red Dead Redemption 2. I played Red Dead Redemption 1 when I was a kid, probably middle school, and I was so pumped when they said Red Dead Redemption 2 is coming out soon. Like, yeah, I didn't care about any other game that whole year. That was my game. I played it, and I enjoyed it so much, and never stopped from there. I still play it to this day, the online version more than the story, but the story is probably the best out of any story-based games. Don't at me. <laughs> Yeah, I probably I probably could have guessed that that was going to be your pick. Connor recently introduced me to this game. I do enjoy the online. I'm still a terrible person, and I have not played the story yet, so I can't really comment on that. But I know a ton of people love it, and it definitely it, it seems like it's just a, a, a wonderful game. It hurts my heart every time he says that. I've played online, <laughs> but I have not played the story. <laughs> I know I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a terrible person. You are. Um, but keeping on the side of Rockstar, I mean, I think they're one of the companies that kind of know what they're doing. A lot of people give them smack, shit, whatever you want to call it, uh, for their online versions of RDR2 and GTA 5. But when it comes to a game, Rockstar kind of knows what they're doing. I mean, <laughs> you got GTA San Andreas, you got Vice City, you got GTA 4. You have RDR 1 and 2 and the cult favorite, Bully. Ooh, I don't think I even knew that was Rockstar, but I do know the game. So they, they know what they're doing. They might be a little bit sleazy sometimes, but <laughs> they have fun and in them. It's not like they've released the same game on three consoles. I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah. <laughs> have they even announced that they're going to release... RDR2 on new consoles? You know, I don't know for sure. I know you can play it, but I don't know if it's been like enhanced for Series X and PS5. I will say that as far oh, as they... the... G Go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, I, as far as the GTA conversation, once again, you're going to hate me. I know I played the story for GTA 4 and GTA 5. However, the majority of my fond memories in middle school was spent just goofing off in... GTA 4. I made a lot of good friends in that from all over the country just because, you know, only child kind of only child with a mic, we'll say. <laughs> and so uh, very, very, very solid game. I would say that would probably be the one I am most fond of just because of the memories from online. Yeah, I mean, I, I wouldn't say that a lot of people play GTA 5 for the story. I mean, it's a good story. But the majority of people, I think, that get GTA are either for doing cheats in this actual story mode 
So that way, mm-hmm. you know, you're riding around in a helicopter, just killing everybody on one street. Or you try to do that in online with the flying motorcycle. It's more of the goof off, do what you want kind of thing in GTA. For sure. I mean, from there, I don't have a definitive number two on my list. I have a lot of games that I enjoyed over the years. I'm more of a story kind of person. Like, if you give me a good story and one good character, I'm going to like it. You could have trash NPCs. For example, like, I'll, before I say the game, trash NPCs doesn't mean that they're bad. That means that they're not probably the greatest. <laughs> so, oh, <no. laughs> for example, I go to Bethesda with that. So Skyrim and Fallout 4. Um, starting with Skyrim, I mean, it's glitchy. It's buggy. But it's amazing for some reason. You <laughs> delve dungeons, kill the same enemies over and over again. So it's almost like a um, looter shooter, but you don't shoot, of course. You just have... Well, I guess you can with magic. But, you know, the stealth archer as well. But, you know, you can do that. You can do all these side quests. You can do this main story that's a little bit shorter than what I would probably have liked it, but it's still good. And then the NPCs are... They're there. They're okay. There are some that are good. There's some that shine. But the vast majority of them are either just okay or trash. You all know I took an arrow to the knee guard in Whiterun. You all know that one guy that talks about, well, you've never been to the Cloud District, have you? Or whatever he says. You know you hate those two guys, but they become people that you just love because of your hate. And that's (laughs) what I'm really talking about, about trash NPCs. And Fallout 4 is kind of the same. It's still got those iffy NPCs. I can't remember the guy's name, and that makes me look back, I think, right now. What's the guy's (laughs) name? This is where it becomes interesting to the audience because whereas Connor plays a lot of story games, I play different kinds of games, not necessarily that are based in multiplayer, but that are based in playing with friends. So a lot of my list is going to involve um, either uh, a plethora of things that I can do by myself, because once again, only child, and I played a lot of games by myself, or uh, that are more geared around playing with a group of people either locally or online whatever your your preference may be and that's where the fun comes from Mm -hmm. so pierston garvey the minute man person who you meet very early early on in the game it's like hey there's a, a settlement in need hey people need some help over here and you're like shut up preston i'm just doing my thing i'm killing death claws don't bother me. Get out of my face. So there are games that have those like annoying NPCs, but are still really, really fun. Jacob? Yes. Any thoughts on that? I, <laughs> uh, I don't personally feel like I can comment just because I tried Skyrim and Fallout and they didn't really interest me personally. So I never... Uh, 
dived too hard into the story elements or got to experience the trash npcs <laughs> so i i I, perf- I don't personally feel like i can i can provide anything anything else to what you've already said i apologize <laughs> I'm, okay. A, I'm okay. a terrible person <laughs> well to each their own if you have a game you like you're gonna play it if there's a game that you don't like don't play it that's as simple as that Yes, and I it, it it took a at first my my thought was that maybe it's because I'm not necessarily into the fantasy style as far as as far as like Skyrim goes. However, I, I recently have been watching more fantasy movies, and so I don't know if that's the exact answer. But I'm I'm, I'm working on figuring out why I wasn't into Skyrim because everybody told me to play Skyrim, so I was like, fine, I bought it and I went for it, and I just didn't get into it. Skyrim might be one of those games where it's like. The really cool stuff kind of comes later on. Like those first couple levels, you're really just trying to upgrade your skills. So that way you can you can really cast spells more often and your magicka doesn't run out as soon. Um, you have more stamina, you have more health. So you can fight bigger, harder monsters or enemies in the game. So I can see something like Skyrim being like those, if you're not attached within the first couple hours it can be very hard to get into okay since we've been talking about some games that we don't have in common let's switch it up to a game i know we have in common which is <laughs> borderlands and the borderlands yeah. series yes so borderlands has always been special for me because i've played all of them since they've come out the first one was me and my brother we played it the second one was by myself third one's by myself and we don't talk about the pre-sequel <laughs> uh, unwritten rule but I, I completely agree there was i think the pre-sequel characters were very interesting and fun like you got to play claptrap uh handsome jack you had nisha i believe was her name was the gunslinger and then aurora which is aurora which is hammerlock's sister so those four characters are very interesting however the story is okay, but the real issue was the being on the moon and the mechanic that came with it, the oxygen tank. Always having to worry about, hey, if I don't breathe, I die. Yeah, it, w- it was very unneeded, especially yeah, in a I series mean, where you're not like if they established that from day one in the first game or something or a mechanic similar, then you'd already be used to it. It didn't feel unneeded or unnecessary. Sorry. I don't think it's that. I think it's more of the fact that you have this thing that you're always having to worry about. Like, there's there's other things in games where you're always having to worry about. But this was almost obnoxious. You know, like, in Borderlands, it's a looter shooter, so you're just going in, guns blazing, or you're, you know, you're Mordecai in the first game, you're sitting back and throwing his bird at him and sniping him off. <laughs> But to go in, rush in with, say, Salvador, you know, the gun Zerker from Borderlands 2, and just go crazy, and then have to exit the fight just to get air, takes away from the actual gameplay that Borderlands is probably so loved for. And I think that was the big problem with the pre-sequel. Okay, yeah, I can agree with that, especially because, and this is definitely personal just for me, the first game will forever be my favorite because the B- Brick, the Berserker character, 
was my favorite. I loved being able to just drop my guns and start beating the crap out of people with my fists. And I know that the that style still carried on with the different characters in the, the sequels. However, they never really, at least for me, grasped the same joy of just punching the crap out of people mm-hmm. that I got with Brick. So I can yeah. understand the love of that play style and why that would be a problem with the pre-sequel. Um, for me, it goes two, three, one. A lot of people, after Borderlands 3 came out, continued to play Borderlands 2. And I think that is a very strong sign to say that 2 is better than 3. That people played 3 and then went back to 2 within a week. Yeah, that so I I'm actually still in the middle of playing 3. Uh I played it for a while when it came out, but I didn't finish it and I just kind of never went back to it if I'm being perfectly honest. So, I don't really know how the story ends, so I don't know if I can judge that properly. But I think off the top of my head, if I remember correctly, I think I liked Borderlands 2 story better than the first one. It's really just that brick connection as to why I liked the first one so much. And I really think I put more hours into it. Um, Borderlands 1, I played with my best friend in like the ninth or 10th grade, something like that. And it, we spent a whole summer just grinding it. Um, and then the second one... He was busy, so we did like half together, half on my own, and it was just like weird. <laughs> yeah, I think I should have prepped this before starting with the Borderlands. Borderlands 2 had Handsome Jack. He is probably, if not the greatest, top five at least, greatest villains in video games and movies. <laughs> He's hilarious. Look- He's psychotic. And it's amazing. <laughs> I, whatever came, whoever came up with Handsome Jack at Gearbox needs to have been running the company two years now. Because whoever came up with that, if may have been a collection of people or whatever, but they really nailed it with Handsome Jack. And I think that's why two is regarded as probably one of the best stories. Interesting. Yeah, that Handsome Jack was a great character. I'm definitely going to say that's a bold statement to include movies in there. But as far as video games go, I can definitely agree with that. He's, a, I would, I would definitely make the bold statement of saying that he's definitely the best part of. Berlin's I mean, game. I'm gonna preface this or not preface this. I'm gonna say one thing with Anthony Jack. He had a horse made of diamonds called Butt Stallion. <laughs> it doesn't get any better than that in my mind. <laughs> named Butt Stallion. And then he wore a mask of his face. Over his face. That's, that's pretty dope. <laughs> I guess we'll go on to the next game. We'll, I'll go with a more recent game here. Um, God of War. Not the original God of War in the Greek mythology trilogy. I'm talking 2018. Kratos with a beard and a son. And just kicking ass against... Norse gods in the snow, God of War. If there is one person that knows what the fuck they are doing, it is Corey from God of War. I'm looking up his last name. Corey Barlog. He knows what he's doing. He's one of the very few people who knows what they're doing. And I love him. And I think he's going to make God of War as good, if not already better, than what it was. And the very first God of War and the new revitalized series 
is a testament to that. And this is where I reveal that I am a, an Xbox loser and I have never played any of the PlayStation exclusives. Yes. So more of the story, get a PlayStation kids. All the good games are on that console. <laughs> but what about Gears of War? <laughs> and that, that a, a Halo Infinite, I think, is coming. I know it got pushed back like yeah. a bunch of months. <laughs> Halo is one of those good <laughs> Xbox exclusives. While PlayStation's is pumping them out. Yeah, we only have two. Um, actually, sorry, wait a second. Ori. Uh, Ori, I didn't know that was a, an Xbox exclusive uh, until like a few months ago. Uh, Ori's great. I'm sorry. I've never heard of it. So, um, Ori in the Blind Forest and then Ori in the Will of the Wisps was the one that won a bunch of game awards. But the. I actually, I do think I've heard the Will of the Wisps. Yeah, that's the. It, it got the Witcher 3 treatment where like no one played the first one, quote unquote. And then because Will of the Wisps was so good, everybody went back to play Blind Forest to like understand the story. Um, mm -hmm. It's like a. The first one's just a straight up platformer, then the second one adds a bunch of RPG elements, and I think that's part of the reason why it was considered for more awards. But uh, that's a topic for another day. Um, but yeah, sorry. I, I love how my case for the Xbox is like three games, whereas PlayStation has had like 20 plus 100,000 really good exclusives. <laughs> yes, exactly that much. 20, 100,000. <laughs> that amount of exclusives. But you brought up two things that are really good in my mind. One was the uh, platformer type thing, the kind of viewpoint. I think that is one thing that the new God of War not benefited from, but I think it really, well, I guess it did benefit from. The first three and the other couples that were like side pieces, they were more arcadey feeling, or as God of War 2018 has been over-the-shoulder third person. Okay. So it is. it feels more personal in my mind. And that's what I've been used to in gaming. I think it's a more traditional, like, good game. Like, good stories don't have to be over-the-shoulder third person, but I feel like a good majority of them are. Yeah. For example, Red Dead Redemption is. The, my favorite game of all time. It's a over-the-shoulder third person that you can play in first person, but I feel like the majority of the time spent playing will be third person. Yeah, it's it's like GTA. I'm sorry. I know that's also Rockstar, but the you can switch to first person to feel like you're really driving that car, but it's just better in third person. Yeah. And then the other point you brought up was The Witcher 3. That is a great game. Love it. It's really long, but it's really enjoyable. I didn't play the first two, but and I played The Witcher 3 probably a couple of years after it came out. Um, after, actually, both DLCs came out. Because I bought the complete edition, I played through the story, then I played Hearts of Stone, and then I did Blood and Wine, that vampire DLC, where you know you meet Regis again. I don't know if he's in the first game or not, but it was kind of alluded that they knew each other, so you may have seen him in the first two games. I don't know. But that was the cake on the end. In Blood of Wine, at the very end, Geralt breaks the fourth wall and just kind of smiles, which he does almost never in the game. And that was a very powerful moment. And it was like the kind of 
stick in the heart. Like, great game. I loved it. You can't tell me anything from here on out. And I think that's the way a lot of people think about it, too. Yeah, I, I see that on a lot of lists for best game just ever. I mean, the wrapping up of the Geralt story, I think, was just chef kisses. I, I know this is random, but don't you also like the Netflix show? Yes, I love the Netflix show. Um, Henry Cavill, it, that's his name, right? Yes, Henry Cavill. Superman. I yeah. was just curious if it correlates to the to the game at all. So, um, the the Netflix series is pre Witcher three. Since I didn't play one and two, I don't know where it is in those timelines. Um, if I had to take a wild guess, I would say it would start between two and three, um, because. I don't think Siri was in The Witcher 2. She might have been. Yeah, my my mom just binged The Witcher, and she loved it. I, I, I put it on the list to do at some point, but I, I have not done it yet. I like Henry Cavill a lot, so I'd watch it for him alone. Okay, so I think Siri was in The Witcher 2, so it's still... I think she was kind of talked about. I don't know if she was shown on screen or not, but... With that statement, it's probably either in the start, like somewhere into or between two and three is when the Netflix series timeline would start. Okay. I think season one's probably a little bit confusing just because of all the time jumping it does. But I feel like they've said for season two, it will be better. I do think I've seen that somewhere. Okay. I had a thought, but I can't remember what it was now. <laughs> oh, um, the author of the books. I can't. I don't know his name because I've never read him. I don't know. I'm pretty sure it's Polish, and I'll probably butcher it if I try to pronounce it, anyways. But he has come out and said that Henry Cavill is Geralt. Like Geralt in the video games was good, but Henry Cavill, that's like Geralt. Like how. Uh, Stan Lee has said Tom Holland is Spider-Man. The author of the books has said Henry Cavill is Geralt. Much like how Ryan Reynolds loved the Deadpool character and fought for 16 years to get that movie made, uh, Henry Cavill apparently read the books. I don't know if he played the games, but I know he was a big fan of the books, and he was like one of the lead guys in getting that show made. And he was like, I will be Geralt, and here we go. Yeah, so... That's Witcher. Um... <laughs> I'm going to go to another game where I played the third one, but I didn't play the first two. And that's Mafia. Oh, okay. Uh, Mafia 1 and 2, I did not play. I've watched part of Mafia 2 through YouTube and Twitch. But Mafia 3, at the time, was like, it had the music that I was really into at the time, which was that Vietnam 70s or 60s, 80s, not 60s, 80s. 60s, 70s kind of music, Fortunate Son, you know, that kind of real music that I liked at the time. And then you add it with Mafia stuff, which I've always enjoyed, like Mafia movies, The Godfathers, um, what's the nice guys? Goodfellas, there we go. Ooh. Yeah, Goodfellas. So just the combinations of those and just a really good story. 
really drew me in with Mafia 3. I do know some people thought it was a little repetitive, which I do get, and I can see that, but it was still very enjoyable for me. I uh, I never played the Mafia series. I know they were big. I played L.A. Noir, which I have been told is just like Mafia's younger brother, uh, the discount version. Um, I liked L.A. Noir. I, I, what? I just laughed. Oh, <laughs> yeah. I, I wouldn't. Uh, I wouldn't say it was one of my favorite games, but yeah, yeah. That's pretty much all I have to say about that. It's, I'm, I'm sure it probably is just the discount version. Do you want to know who L.A. Noir was made by? Rockstar. Yes. So this is the Rockstar fanboy edition of the Top Down Podcast. Apparently, <laughs> everything relates back to Rockstar. <laughs> there we go. Illuminati confirmed. Dun dun. That's Law and Order. <laughs> or is that Netflix? That sounded like that. Yeah, you, <laughs> you needed to be just slightly higher pitched, and then it would have been Law and Order. Ah, well, another podcast. Anyways, <laughs> still stinking on the terms of playing some games and not others. Um, I'm going to go to Assassin's Creed. The prethala of games, or however say the word, that they have put out. Some of them amazing. Some of them complete and utter shite. Isn't there a thing with with them that uh, basically every other year is good and every other year is trash? So I don't know if that was really at some point, but it could have been. Actually, I would probably say no, because they had a point in time where they had probably four or five games in a row that were amazing with one of them kind of being lacking. And that is from Assassin's Creed 2 to Brotherhood to Revelations. And then they switch it up and then go back to 3. And that's the one that was kind of like a little bit down, but I still enjoyed it. And then they went to Black Flag and now the She Shanty takeover begun after that game was dropped. Okay. So... In my opinion, the Ezio trilogy, which is Assassin's Creed 2, Assassin's Creed Brotherhood, and Revelations are the best. And I think that the majority of people would agree with me. I feel like some people might like Black Flag better, which is understandable. But in my opinion, the Ezio trilogy is the best. I played Assassin's Creed 2. I was trying to figure out which one of the Assassin's Creeds I played. I actually played Brotherhood first. I was... I want to say my uncle was gifted it, and he didn't want it for Christmas. It, he got it from like a coworker or something like that. It was like, "Hey, I know you play games. Here, here you go." And so I was like, "Oh, I've never heard of this. Let me try it out." Loved it immediately. Like, <laughs> oh wait, this is the second game of the trilogy. So I played through it, went back, got the first one in the trilogy, which is Ezio trilogy, which is number two. And I played two Brotherhood again. And then when Revelations came out, I played that. And I think one of the things that Revelations did was really cool was at the very end of Revelations, spoiler alert, if you haven't played this game, it's been out for a while, go play it. I don't care about spoilers. You should have known this by now. Anyways, at the very end, you (laughs) get to meet Altair. However, Altair is dead. He is a skeleton. But having Ezio and Altair meet was an amazing experience to witness, even though it's a video game. It was very cool to see Ezio go up to Altair and talk to him. 
even though he was just a skeleton, and then to sit there or leave. I can't remember exactly what happens, but it was just like two legends meeting, which is amazing. Yeah, I can. Uh, I, I personally didn't experience it, but just relating it to movies, it's always great when two of your favorite characters cross over, they meet or do something in a film. So mm-hmm. I, can, I, I can only imagine. And then I'm going to go to three and then I'll go back to four. So three was with your boy Connor, one in. He was a Native American and, yeah, Native American white guy from an Indian tribe where you go through the story and you're kind of against your father, but not really. Anyways, that dynamic is kind of cool. And the having him grow up in the Native American way and then learning about the assassins and then joining that and going through that is also very cool because he had some special things that he was taught while he was growing up. So it made the game... They kind of worked with that a little bit, which was kind of cool. So it was a little bit different than just, you know, a Assassin's Creed who's, you know, just in the bushes with one hidden blade. He had some, you know, had a tomahawk. He knew how to use a bow, which was really cool. And also in Assassin's Creed, they introduced the ships that you, I don't think you could sell them, but you could have like a ship. And then that is really what I think that mechanic was like, oh, there's a ship, but we can't sell it. I think that's what really drove them to make Black Flag, which is an amazing game. The story's really good, and you get to play as Connor's, I want to say his grandfather, if I'm not mistaken. I may be wrong about that. But anyways, you're a pirate, and you sell a ship, and you can defeat ships, you can go whaling, you can do all these other kind of stuff. And it's really just a cool mechanic that... I don't think a lot of games explored until then. And then you had the sea shanties, which were amazing. You know, I remember like going into port sometimes and then leave her. Johnny came on. I just said, Nope, we're circling in the Island today, boys. (laughs) Keep on singing. Let's go. We're not stopping just yet. You know, I never played black flag, but from what I read, the ship mechanic was very polarizing Everybody either loved the crap out of it or hated it and just like regretted buying the game because of it. And I don't, I'm assuming you're one of the people who loved it, but for, I, 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 I never saw like a middle ground, like, eh, they tried it and it didn't work, but I, I, I'm okay with it. Like it was always either, this is the best thing ever. This is exactly what this game needed, or I hate this. Why did they put this in here? I do think over the years, I probably liked it better because I don't remember as many bugs. However, I have never heard anyone say, I hate this. That could be just because I didn't look at Reddit at the time. I didn't know what Reddit (laughs) was. But I thought it was amazing when I played it. I've never heard anyone say anything like that. But it could have been happening. So, I believe you on that. uh, As The easiest comparison I can think of is in Arkham... City, wait, not City, Arkham Knight. In Arkham Knight, they introduced the ability to use the Batmobile. And that's like half of the stuff you do in the game is with the Batmobile. But the mechanics really suck. And so some people were just like, I'm in the Batmobile, I don't care. Other people were like, why are you having me do platforming uh, puzzles in a Batmobile? That's like, like a lot of the bugs came from that game. So I feel like that's a relatable uh Everybody either loved it or hated the crap out of it. I've never played any Batman game. I do think, was it the Arkham Trilogy that a lot of people like? 
Arkham uh, Arkham Asylum is great. Then Arkham City is the second one, which just did Arkham Asylum better. And mo I see that on list as like a top 10 game ever. Um, mm -hmm. And then Arkham Knight was an okay story, but is most people's least favorite because A, the, the villain is super predictable at who it is. And then B, the Batmobile was just like, it was a great idea with terrible execution. Gotcha. So those are probably games that I will play in the future. You know, the downtime. If they don't remaster it, I have to boot up the old PlayStation to play them. But if they do remaster them, I will be getting those. Great games. Don't know much about them. I played them on the Xbox One. I have no idea if they'll put them on next gen. From there, I'm going to go to the two-part game series to where, as of this point right now, you either love the second part or you absolutely hate it. And oh, that no. is The Last of Us. I knew it. <laughs> The Last of Us 1, everyone thinks, good game, great, Ellie, lover, Joel, love him. That dynamic of Joel, again, spoiler alert, even though it's been out for a while, you should know what happened. I shouldn't even have to say this. Joel loses his daughter in the first game. He gets Ellie. He even says in the game, there is a conversation between the, between the two. Ellie says, you're not my dad. And Joel says, you're right. And you're not my daughter. And that was like a gut punch in the first game. And then in the second game, you start off with them. It, it's it been out. Spoilers were out before the game happened. So I don't care about the second part either. Joel dies. <laughs> part two, very alienating end. I loved it. Critics loved it because it won game of the year. So if you didn't like it, you can suck it. Okay. It was good, and I think as more time goes, Last of Us Part Two will get more credit for what it did than it has in the past, not even year at this point. It came out in June of 2020, and it's only February, so it's not been out a year. I think more and people, more and more people are going to love it as time goes on. See, that's something I'm very curious about because so I'm pretty much a newbie to the whole gaming world. Like I've been playing games for a while, but I never really got fully engulfed. However, in the cinema world, there are movies that come out and they flop. And then for some reason, like a decade later, they become cult classics and everybody's like, oh no, just people didn't understand what they were trying to do when it came out. And I'm curious to see if that happens with some of these games like Last of Us 2, that people just critically pan and then you know, later on, it's like, oh, wait, this was actually the best game ever. How did no one see it? Yeah, I think the the main issue with the game was it wasn't that satisfying of an end, but the satisfaction was overruled by the actual story of what part two was. And I think as people have more time with it and as more people maybe like not go back to it, like, hey, this was actually kind of good. I think a lot of people will switch from like, I hate it to it's kind of good. And the people that loved it will still love it. Speaking of games that I love, <laughs> we're going to kick it old school with Pokemon, specifically Gen 3, Ruby and Sapphire, and then Fire Red and Leaf Green, and then Emerald. Don't mess okay. with my boy, Torch Kick. He will whoop on you. <laughs> Doesn't matter. I'm picking him every single playthrough on my Game Boy, my DS, whatever I'm playing on. 
Torch Geek and me are going at it every day, all day long. <laughs> I don't remember that much from that game because I haven't played in a while, but I'm not a Torch Kick. I know Blaze Kick. I don't remember his full evolution, but I played that a lot, even though I was terrible at it. I don't think I ever completely finished the game, but like maybe once, but it was amazing. I loved it. I just whooped up on people with Torch Kick and Pikachu. Um, it's funny because I knew that Pokemon existed, but I never played it on my Game Boy. I've since gone back and played the retro ones because I feel like that's fun to do even in an older age. Um, but uh, I got started with Pokemon Diamond and Pearl for the DS, and that's our, probably the Pokemon game I played the most. And mm-hmm. due to Tor- Torch Kick, I think I'm saying that right, um, was me with Turtwig. Because I freaking love turtles, and this this little Turtwig was like the cutest thing ever, and he also beat the shit out of you. So like, yeah, Turtwig was my boy, and mm-hmm. I played Pokemon Diamond like nonstop on the DS. Pokemon Diamond and Pearl were Gen Four, so late. What well, to be late two thousands, early twenty tens, most likely. Yeah, that sounds about right. I played Pokemon Gen Three. Would have been like 2004-ish, 2005 is probably when a lot of those came out. So I was a little bit younger, so I was probably really bad at the game. Actually, I know I was bad at the game because some of the stuff I would get lost and confused and I would just turn my Game Boy off and lose like an hour worth of save time. So there was I, that problem. <laughs> but I, I still really enjoyed it. I stand corrected. One of my favorite like super, super young games the Nintendo 64 was Pokemon Stadium. Me and I used to literally go over to my friend's house just to play this game with him. We would play it for like six hours at a time. Loved that game. Uh, it, it, I loved it so much that about like, I guess it'd be like a year and a half ago now, uh, I bought it myself because I, 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 my cousin gave me an N64 and I wanted games for it. So I basically just bought every game I loved in my childhood. So, <laughs> but Pokemon I Stadium, mean- good game. Yeah, when you got adult money, you spend it on kid-like stuff. I've learned that very <laughs> fast. It's like, hey, sir, you're 24. What'd you get with the first paycheck? I got Pokemon and Nintendo 64. <laughs> yes, for sure. That'll be first paycheck. I, mm, I'm that. Mm, <laughs> I got <the> <laughs> So, speaking of Pokemon, there was kind of a spin-off game, but it was still really fun. And this was on Nintendo DS, and it's called Fossil Fighters. So, in this game, rather than like catching Pokemon with balls, you went and you like dug up fossils, really. It was, you know, you just like go over to an area and you just click on the ground and you hit a fossil and you get it. And there's like upgrades to help you find them and find better ones and whatnot, whatever. But you would take that fossil, which was basically just bones and encased in rock, and then you would go to a lab, and you would have to t- like hit it with a hammer and then actually blow into your DS, because at the time it had that like microphone that sensed you blowing into it, and you would blow off the dust. And depending on how well you got the fossil out of the rock. Like, if you damaged the fossil too bad, you didn't get that dinosaur. But you would do that, you would clean it off, and then you would have four parts. You would have the head, the arms, the leg, and the tail. 
And the more parts you had, the stronger the fossil the dinosaur was, and the better you did at taking the fossil out of the dirt, the better it was. So once you had the head of one fossil, you could use it in a battle. So you could just have the head and use it in a battle. But if if you didn't have the head at all, but you still had the feet, the arm, and the tail, you couldn't use it. So the head was the real deciding factor as to whether you could use it in a fight or not. Interesting. So you would do that, and then you would go and you would fight other people with dinosaurs. And it was basically Pokemon, but with dinosaurs and fossils rather than these other creatures and Pokeballs. And so I had to look it up because I wasn't sure if it was the same game. I did not play Fossil Fighters. I played a game called Combat of Giants Dinosaurs. And it was what I'm going to assume was just a more realistic version. or Because I'm looking at Fossil Fighters and it's relatively animated like Pokemon. Whereas it looks yeah. like they went for more realism with dinosaurs. And you just would like fight dinosaurs and then like train and upgrade your dinosaurs. It was very like Pokemon without the thrill of going and fighting gym leaders, I guess. I don't remember if there was actually a level up, leveling up of the dinosaurs and fossil fighters, but I think it was more contingent on the fact of how well you cleaned off the fossils. I think that was the main thing. Okay. One thing in fossil fighters, I played it with a good friend of mine in elementary school, and I used to spend every day over at his house after school because he lived, you know, very close to the school we went to, and we would have our DSs or PlayStation, whatever, we would play games. And one day I had that game and it was like, whoa, that looks really cool. And I was like, yeah. And I showed him the game and I talked about all the stuff I just talked about. And it was like, cool, I'm going to get it too. And then eventually it became a competition of like, who has the better fossils, you know, who has the better dinosaurs. So that really played into my love for that game was having that friend to play it with. Even though I don't think you play like online with them, it was cool to just to have someone to play with like beside of yeah definitely adds an extra level i ds was nine times out of ten spent uh being the main host on school trips on a bus for mario kart there was some robot game i had where like you fought with people and you it wasn't transformers but it was like discount transformers (laughs) 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 like you would enter an arena and your dude could transform into stuff but he was like uh, not Optimus Prime. We'll just say that. Yeah. Um, the DS Optimus is just the... on. No, I don't. Know. I don't know. <laughs> <Optimus> Rhyme. Yeah. <laughs> um, DS was a was a very very wonderful console. Um, handheld console. It felt weird to call it like a console console. Um, yeah. The before we leave the DS, I have to mention one of the games on my list. I feel like it's probably hands down my favorite DS game. Um, And I think it's a travesty that Nintendo, with everything that they're rebooting for the Switch, has not brought this game back or done just a new one under this title. It's called Kid Icarus Uprising. Kid Icarus was a game for the... No, it was on the Nintendo 64. I think there was another game on like the SNES or something like that, but it, it hadn't had a game since the late 90s. And they randomly came out with one for the 3DS. And uh, it's exactly what you think. You play as Icarus from Greek mythology and you fight against other people from Greek mythology. It's 
very similar to a lot of like anime video games you would play now where there's just so much going on on the screen but little 2012 post could could follow what was going on um and uh the coolest thing about it and i personally have not played another game that has done this i've played games that have tried and i just feel like did not do it as well the coolest thing was after every fight you would win an item it didn't matter what the item was it would be something you could use as a weapon in your inventory you could merge whatever item you wanted with whatever other item you wanted and it would become a new item and it would be a better item so if you got a spear and you got a crossbow you could put those two things together even though they have no right going together and it would become something new and it would be a better weapon that you could then use later on and it would so, stop hold up, hold up hold up hold up would, <laughs> would you throw the spear and then the crossbow would go with it or would you shoot the spear out of the crossbow it would probably be you shooting the spear out of the crossbow. If okay, I had so it's a javelin launcher. Love it. Yes, and it wouldn't stop there. If you didn't like that javelin launcher and you beat something five levels down the line and you were gifted, I don't know, uh, a, a pair of wings, I don't know. You could put the wings and merge them with the javelin launcher and then all of a sudden the spear could fly. Like the whoever came up with that I personally think is brilliant because when I play games of that style that like gift you weapons, so on and so forth throughout playing, I always thought it'd be a really cool idea to just merge stuff together. And I know there's games that do have done that, like like Dying Light, you can merge stuff together, but it has like it's pre-programmed. You have to have the two pieces of the puzzle that fit. In Kid Icarus, you could put together whatever you wanted, and that was so cool to me. Um, the story was good too, but the one thing that kept me going was what crazy contraption can I make next? And so I, I had to reference it. That is probably the only three. Wait, no, I think I know I finished Super Mario 3D World, but I know for sure that Kid Icarus was the first 3DS game that I finished the whole way through. I went 100% completion because I just, I was so into it. I loved it. I don't want to play it again now. <laughs> I just got to <laughs> I feel like, Yeah. I feel like this podcast should be like, what games do I really want to replay after I finish the game that I'm playing? <laughs> but sticking with that kind of old school vibe, there's a couple other games I want to talk about. And we'll start with a Mario game. And that is Mario Super Sluggers. If you haven't played Mario Super Sluggers, it is basically every character in the Mario universe at the time, all playing baseball. And for some reason, it was amazing and fun. And you had Funky Kong out there swinging a surfboard between his arm and his side. You had Bowser and his kid. I think it was Bowser Jr. Bowser Jr. was a little bitch when he was pitching. I don't know why that kid was the best pitcher in the whole game. <laughs> but And like Donkey Kong, he just hit the ball with his fist. You know, there's all these various types of people and they all had their special abilities when it came to the pitching and hitting. And it was just a really cool, like, off spin of the Mario Universe characters. And I absolutely loved it. That uh, I never owned that one, but I did play it. I found it very enjoyable. I had Mario Golf, Mario Tennis, and my personal favorite, Mario Hoops 3-on-3. Three 
there was something very invigorating about throwing lobs to Donkey Kong. That's all I'll say. <laughs> I could see that. I could see, you know, Luigi just, you know, hit him with the pass. Donkey Kong just coming over, slamming it down like you would be throwing a barrel at someone. Yes. Because it would be really fun. All of the courts were on famous Mario locations. So especially if you had played like any Super Mario game before that, it was just fun nostalgia. That was kind of the same thing with Super Sluggers. Um, you had like these regions. So like uh, Bowser was, of course, in his castle and Bowser Jr. was there and all the characters that were related to Bowser in like the story were there. And then you had Donkey Kong Jungle or whatever it was called. And you had Donkey Kong, Funky Kong, the other people that were in that kind of realm. And then, of course, you had Princess Peach and her, like, toads. And he had the other princess. For some reason, I can't think of her name right now. But there was these kind of regions where you had a groups of characters. like it. I feel like I definitely can. I remember playing it because I vividly remember Donkey Kong just punching the crap out of the ball, but I don't really remember much of other than that. <laughs> Sticking with baseball. I'm a big baseball fan. So when I was a kid, I played MVP, MVP baseball 2004 nonstop. It's no longer made MVP baseball because it was made by EA. They stopped making that, but it was great. I remember, remember, doing the tutorials and having Harold Reynolds, which is a very good baseball player. He has since retired. I don't know if he was playing at the time. I don't think he was, but he's a MLB broadcaster now or analyst for the MLB network. And he did like the hitting tutorials and it was fun to go through theirs and just hear someone like that talk. But it was also just fun because it wasn't that difficult because I remember young me being able to win games and also just staying up at night playing baseball. But now going, that's still a retro game. So sticking with that, I'm going to talk about The Sims. Post, I don't think, have you ever played The Sims? I have played The Sims, and I apologize for going quiet. I had to look it up. I couldn't remember. I knew I played a baseball game, but I didn't know what it was. I played Little League World Series Baseball 2008 for the DS. Yes. yes. <laughs> I don't remember what year I played, but Little League Baseball was the crap. I remember playing it on the Wii, and it was probably around the time in which I would have been eligible to play in the Little League World Series. I never was in that type of league. So I never would have actually played in it, but it was probably like the closest thing that I would actually ever be to. So it was kind of vicariously living through it a little bit. Anyways, <laughs> it was really cool. It was fun. Um, it was much like Wii Sports Baseball because you could hit like line drives or pop-ups that looked like they were going to be home runs and then be like 10 feet short. <laughs> Or you could hit like a pop fly and you're like, oh, there's that's an out. And it just keeps going and going and going and it's a home run. Uh, the animations were hilarious because the ball would like disappear into the sky and you'd be like, well, shit. And then it would just fall like in the middle of center field. And you'd be like, how does that even make sense? <laughs> yeah. But back to The Sims. So, so The Sims, I haven't played every single one of them. The two that I played earlier on 
um, were because of my friend that we played after school. At one point, we played The Sims 2 Pets, which was in the era before DLCs, The Sims released games that were completely new games, but it's the same thing with just a little addition to it. So The Sims 2 Pets was The Sims 2, and it probably had maybe a couple more characters, you know, maybe not, or whatever, but they just added pets and then resold it. And that was the game that I played. I remember that was one of the games where I wrote my name on it, like on the case, and then me and my friend would take it back and forth between our houses so that way we could each play. And we remember, oh yeah, this is my game, or oh hey, that's my friend's game. And I remember doing that a lot. And another game we did that with was Sims 2 Castaway. And Castaway is basically, you know, the Tom Hanks movie where you're on an island, you got Wilson the volleyball with you, and you're building huts and houses and boats and stuff. So that was kind of cool. And then I skipped over the three. I don't know if there was one game or multiple games or not. And then I picked up The Sims 4. And The Sims 4 has been going strong. And they're still releasing DLCs for probably 10 bucks a pop. But I remember playing that very recently and loving it. And it having... A lot of new stuff, but it's still having that basic fun element of what The Sims is. I played The Sims. I never owned it. One that I owned was called The Movies, and it's from 2005. I knew I was young when I played it, but I had to look up the year. Um, Basically, you are a film studio who is trying to make it in Hollywood, and you produce your own movies, and you basically run the business. And that was one of the first games I ever played as a kid on my PC. It's it's pretty much just The Sims, but you're a movie studio. Mm-hmm. There's a, I've always been kind of that person who likes those type of games where it's like the tycoon or the business. And that is probably one of the main reasons why I want to get a PC at this point is because there's always those like really small developer developers who are making these games that's like uh, Blacksmith Simulator or some other game like that where it's like you you know you're just running a business or like one of the games that I remember watching on YouTube was Software Inc and you know you're a software company and you can make an operating system a game engine a game a app a phone whatever it is and it's just a game where you build you know where you're working at you hire employees you manage them whatever those games really interest me and I've always been a fan of them, but I've never been able to play them. And I agree with you completely. Um, I like six months ago, um, I really wanted to play Democracy Four, but it's only on the on the PC. It's not a thing for consoles, sadly. The best we get is the Tropico series, and not that that's bad, but that's not really what I want. All of the great simulation games, like you just said, are on the PC, and even just Steam in general. I feel like is wonderful for just randomly finding as once again you mentioned some indie uh group that that made a game that you're you would never hear about otherwise but you know you tried it because it was like a dollar yeah i think there's a lot of good games that consoles don't get because a lot of people are smaller developers so they don't want to put in that money to develop a game for multiple systems rather than just making one for pc and then just putting it on steam and then being done with it. Yeah. That the this actually would lead nicely into another game on my list. Because 2K21 sucks so badly, 
NBA 2K21. Although apparently WWE 2K is also trash, but I cannot confirm. There are there's a quest in the YouTuber 2K community to play other games or just find better 2K games. One of the guys that I watched found a simulation game that was uh, free on Steam that somehow does 2K My League 10 times better. I watched the video. It was insanely awesome. Because they don't have a right with rights with the NBA, you can't play the games. But if you purely just want to simulate a league and get invested in your players and the trades and the draft and all of that jazz, it was amazing. That's kind of besides the, that's like my lead in, but um, one of my favorite games, <laughs> I know I just said it's trash. Um, this is trash, uh, but I love it. <laughs> I feel like that's a thing with a lot of sports games. The They get put out every year and there's always going to be stuff that's terrible. This year it's just bad because they haven't updated the game since December and they've basically just forgotten about the community sorry once again that's besides the point i am a big basketball fan i grew up playing all of the 2k games i I technically started with live i hopped over to the 2k i think my first 2k was 2k9 i personally as far as favorite games go 2k12 2k13 and 2k14 are the best games they've ever put out i personally feel like it's been going downhill ever since no offense to next gen but i would i literally go back and play the 360 games and still have more fun with them than the next gen ones, or I guess that it's current gen now, but the current gen games, the 2K12 to 2K14 was just amazing. But, you know, hopefully live will make a game that will make 2K actually be accountable for the stuff that they put out. But at this point, you're just paying for a roster update. Sorry, that once again, that's a conversation for another podcast, but yeah, I, <laughs> I love the NBA. Uh, 2K is the game I happen to play. And then as long as I'm on the topic, I'm also going to throw it over to Madden just because I also love football. And the two games that I play currently and for the past couple years the most are 2K and Madden. I go back and forth. Do I feel like throwing a ball today or shooting a ball today? And uh, Madden's also one of those games where pretty much been the same game for multiple years. And once again, I personally feel like the 360 Maddens were better. At least as far as what they like, they've literally taken stuff out. Instead of giving us new stuff, they've been removing stuff. In, in the old games, you used to be able to create your own logo, create your own uh, jerseys, create your own team just in general. You can't do that anymore, um, which is just like such a weird thing to take out. You can relocate, but it tells you where you can go. You don't get to pick it yourself. You don't get to type in the town that you live in that's in the middle of nowhere that's obviously not going to be in the game. So, yeah, uh, I guess long story short, I love 2K and Madden, but I personally, as far as my favorite games, I prefer the older ones, even though I still play them today because I guess I'm just a sports shrill. Yeah, and I play those games too. Uh, Probably not as much as you post, but I do play them. I do enjoy them. They're more of, hey, I haven't played this game in a while. Let me have a three-week addiction to it and then jump to something (laughs) else. And another game that is very much like that is Minecraft. And I think a lot of people have this over the years. Um, It's also one of the games that was, you know, the small developer, you know, let me make it, put it out. And he just put it on PC. And I believe Notch made the base Minecraft game in 24 hours, which is amazing. It's not at all to what the extent it is today, but it's still amazing that he just made a game in 24 hours, put it up, and it's become 
arguably the best game ever, probably the most sold game, if not close to it. I mean, I think really like the only rivals it has might be Tetris or some sh- like that. It, it is the most sold game by over seven, uh, 65 million sales. Number two is GTA 5, and then number three is Tetris. Yeah. So, again, this is a rock star podcast. Not really, but it kind of is. <laughs> but, yeah, Minecraft is that game that you're like, hey, you know, I haven't played this game in a while. Let me go play it, see how I feel. Then you get addicted for three weeks. You get your boys, your girls in. You make a server. You get your house built. You go kill the Ender Dragon at this point. You come back, and then you quit. <laughs> and then you do it a year later. You do the same thing. You kill the Ender Dragon. You quit. And for three weeks, you have the time of your life. You see what's new in the game, what's come out the year, you know. And then you stop playing. But it's still enjoyable. Those three weeks a year, or however much you play it, is probably some of the most fun you'll have in a game because you can do what you want. There's no rules. Not that many, at least. (laughs) It's just you and the open world. Or, if you're me, you play for a week with one friend, get bored, go to creative mode, have a bunch of fun for like three weeks, and then stop for six months. Play for a week with another friend, get bored, go to creative, (laughs) have fun for like three weeks, and then stop playing. Yeah, it's those, it's my phases in life. This is how much I've played Minecraft. <laughs> Summer 2018, played a lot of Minecraft. Then we stopped, picked it back up next summer, and that's it. So, sticking with, you know, kind of the older games still, I have Super Mario Galaxy, which I believe is to be one of the greatest games of all time, according to many lists that I've seen. I do remember playing it. I don't remember much about it. (laughs) But I know a lot of people like it, and I do remember enjoying it. It's just been so long since I've played it, watched it, seen anyone play it. But I do remember having a lot of fun with it, and uh, I believe you had to go around to various places in the galaxy and collect stars. I think that was the main thing with uh, Yoshi, I believe. I may be mistaken on that. But I didn't know Yoshi was on the cover art. It was him and Mario. Mario was actually riding Yoshi in outer space, if I'm not mistaken. So fun game, don't remember much about it. In order to have this discussion, I promise I'm not leaving the game. I'm just going to throw an extra one in there for my list. I also put GameCube Super Mario Sunshine on there as one of my favorite games. Both of these have a lot in common. I believe that's why... Nintendo Switch is bringing them back. For Super Mario Galaxy, the cool thing for me was it was the normal Super Mario, it was sorry, the normal Mario 3D platformer you were used to. However, since he was going to different worlds, the creativity options were really endless. And I personally loved exploring as many worlds as possible. And after you beat the game, there's still more worlds to see. And you can, once you beat the game, you have more stuff unlocked to where you can go back and go to the same world to get like a different star or something. Because y- there was like a minimum requirement you needed to actually win, but there's, of course, you can go for like completionist. And um, you would find... Your- mis- yeah, sorry. If I'm not mistaken, I think that Super Mario Galaxy was the first one to do it. If not, it was another game that did it. But that has kind of been the model for Super Mario games from this point on 
It's like you go to various places, collect stars, get new stuff, and then you can go back through and do these levels. But like you go back to a central hub and then you go do more. I think that is kind of the model. I don't play that many Mario games nowadays, but I have seen some people do it. And I think that is kind of the idea that Mario games have at this point. Yeah. I, I, I also think it started with galaxy. It is definitely what they do. Um, I would go as boldly as to say, that's what a lot of Nintendo games do. You know, you got to get like two thirty of the two sixty or two thirty of the two seventy. Just, just enough to where you kind of have to do some replay of certain levels, but not like all of them. Um, and yeah, I just the the art alone in Galaxy was why I loved it. Uh, that also um, was, I believe, the first Wii game I ever fully completed. And then um, adding in Super Mario Sunshine. That was the second GameCube game I ever fully completed. And when I first got it when I, in 2003, I didn't like it. I'm not going to lie. But I want to say I revisited it in like 2007. So, you know, I've aged just a little bit. And um, it very quickly just like hooked me. And I want to say I spent like two weeks and just completely finished it. I forget what it was called, but you basically had a duck on your back that squirted water. And that was like such a fun thing for an eight year old. <laughs> now it's interesting because it was basically a mechanic like what we mentioned earlier with Borderlands, where you kept how you have to leave the fight to come back up for air. In in Sumari Sunshine, you would have to make sure you had water in your duck, otherwise you were screwed. So you had to constantly be finding water, but you were on an island, so water wasn't hard to find. It was just one of those like tedious tasks, but I didn't care. I, I loved it, honestly. The island was pretty. The mechanics were great. The puzzles were fun for the time. I don't. I haven't played it, so I don't know if I would if they were like hard or not. Because obviously, stuff's going to be hard for an eight year old. So mm -hmm. take that for what you will. But Super Mario Sunshine was great. I think I'd have to replay both to figure out which one I like more. But both are just great games. <laughs> So I think I was wrong about the Super Mario Galaxy. Um, I do remember a game, Super Mario, I believe it was 64, where it was on the Nintendo 64, where that was you had some type of house or castle that you went into, and then you jumped into pictures, and that teleported you to a region. And I think that game was the first game where it was really like the hub, and you go off, collect stars, you come back. Yeah, that that one reveled. That was the first one of Mario to become a 3D platformer. And I do know that you go around and collect stuff. It has been a very long time since I played that one, so I didn't. I don't remember if you actually had to do like completionist to actually win. I don't know if that did the you you have to get like 200 out of 250 or whatever. But um, I don't yeah. remember too much. Um, I do know that is one game I've seen some people speed run, so to Easter on in that area. But other than that, I, I don't know too much because it's been so long and I'm not that into Mario games. Like, I enjoy them, but I'm not... I haven't played them in so long. I have never revisited any, but as a kid, Mario was my shit. I played all of them. Another one to reference is Super Mario 3D World for the DS. I would probably put that third behind Super Mario Sunshine and Super Mario Galaxy. Like, not that 3D World was bad, but I would play the other ones first. Super Mario 64, I did play slightly later once I got a Nintendo 64. I can see why, for the time, that was a big deal. I personally have 
a little bit of a problem when I go back that old to 3D stuff because the graphics really show. Now, when I go to the Nintendo 64 to play a game that's on my list, which is Donkey Kong Country, that's a different story. <laughs> Donkey See, when Kong... you say that, I think of just Donkey Kong sitting on the barrel of a banjo. <laughs> Wait, have have you never played Donkey Kong, or have you have you seen somebody play Donkey Kong Country? No, I haven't even played a Donkey Kong game. Oh my god! Okay, so this is a, a little side discussion, but everybody has that person who they are connected to from their childhood in Nintendo. Uh, one of my friends, it's Kirby. For most people, it's Mario. For me, it's Donkey Kong. Donkey Kong Country was the first platformer I played, and I can still go back and play it and have just as much fun as when I was like four. Basically, you and Diddy Kong have to maneuver through every kind of jungle known to man in order to rescue your bananas from King K. Rule. And uh, you're in the... Everybody who knows this will get the reference. There's a dreaded cart level that you will get stuck on for like five hours. Then when you finally beat it, you'll be like, yes, I won it life. I can die happy. <laughs> and um, I really hope that no one else struggled with that level at all. I hope that was just you. <laughs> the, the, I hope it was just a little post in a room somewhere excited that he beat one level that everyone only took like two minutes to do. <laughs> the, the, the timing on the jumps in the cart is so finite that if you don't time it properly, you just die. <laughs> and it's so frustrating. But the whole rest of the game is great. It, I believe that it's something that platformers after it based it off of, because I believe it's Nintendo's best-selling platformer. Don't quote me on that. That's just a guess. A lot of their Nintendo 64 games are like their best-selling whatnots, except for like Mario keeps topping himself. But yeah, that's great. Uh, without that, we would not have the other <laughs> the other great Donkey Kong games. But yeah, Donkey Kong Country is just, it's great. Well, we'll move on to my next few games. Um, not really a good segue at all here because um, there's Skate 2 and 3. <laughs> uh, From mine carts to skateboards. <laughs> yeah, um, I don't, I played Skate 2. I played it once. I don't remember too much of it. But every once in a while, I go back to Skate 3. It's just one of the games where it's like, it's cool, but it's so unrealistic. The stuff you can do, that's what's fun about it. There's some games or some times where you can literally just do this little glitch and you just pop up into the air like 30 feet. And you can do tricks and you do all this crazy stuff. And one of the things in Skate is to do like these ridiculous tricks. So there's a trick called the coffin where you basically just lay flat on your board and you try to fit into these really tight spaces. So, for example, you'll see like a billboard that has like a three foot, not three foot, like a foot and a half tall space. To where like if you lay down, you and your board would be able to fit through just perfectly. So you would get a ramp, like go downhill and then hit the ramp and then go into a coffin and try to hit that one-and-a-half-foot hole below the billboard, and you would just try to go through it. I remember trying to do that with, like, stairway railings, just all these various really cool stuff. I remember one thing you could do was, or one, like, kind of quest or mission, whatever you want to call it, 
was you were in uh, somebody's pool in their backyard that had been empty out. And one of the objectives was to go from the pool and then do a plant trick, I believe it's called, like where you're up on the edge of something, like say you're on a half pipe, you go to the top of the half pipe and you hold the rim with your hand while you were skateboard still in the air. So you're like holding on to the ramp for making you go up in the air, but you still have your board with you. So you try to do that with the roof of the house. So stuff like that, that was just like out of the world that probably wouldn't be able to happen. Just seeing that and being able to do that was really cool. Did Skate 4 just come out or was it a remaster of Skate 3? Skate 4 had been announced. Um, Tony Hawk, whatever it was. I don't know if it was four or five or whatnot came out recently. Okay, that was the. I knew there was a skateboarding game that came out. I wasn't sure what it was. I remember playing probably Tony Hawk Pro Skater like two or three, but I don't remember having as much fun as I did in Skate Three. Because another thing in Skate Three is the Hall of Meat, whereas basically you just go and you just wipe out. You basically say, "Get the fuck off of your skateboard." I'm gonna face plant the ground right now and see how many bones I can break. <laughs> I'm going to do a cannonball into this dumpster and see how high of a score I can get. So it was like you had a skateboarding game and then you had this I want to hurt myself so bad game that was inside the skateboarding, like a mini game. So that was another thing you had going for it, which was really fun because there was also little side quest missions for Hall of Me. Okay. The only skateboarding game i ever played was tony hawk ride and it was the one that had the skateboard for the wii so you would get on the skateboard and you would have to like do it physically yourself didn't have a lot of fun with it but i played it no no that would not be fun (laughs) that just sounds terrible yeah it it was a cool idea in theory but it just wasn't nah so you'd have to be a pro skater to do like anything fun in this game? Is that what I'm hearing basically? So imagine it would the controller didn't have wheels, so it basically looked like a snowboard. And you'd put it on the ground and then you would skate and then you would have to rock your body back and forth like you were skateboarding. And then yes, if you wanted to do tricks, you would have to step on the back, step on the front, whatever you were doing. Forget how you did like flips and stuff, but it wasn't like you had to do it in real life, but it just I don't it wasn't as enjoyable as it probably should have been. Yeah. For Skate 3, all you did was like there was a combinations of stuff with the right stick. So like straight down and straight up was an Ollie. Uh straight down and like to the right, I believe, was a kick flip. So there's like various ways to maneuver the stick to do various tricks. Okay. But we've talked a lot about old games. Um, do you have any old games? Because I kind of want to kick it to a new one. So yeah. do you have any that you want to talk about before we go to this? Yes, I have two old games that I'll go ahead and mention before we, we jump back to today. Um, both and old games, we mean pre-PlayStation 4, pre-Xbox One games. I would assume. Yes. So, right, folks? Okay. Just yep. because it came out in 2005 and you were born in 2004 does not mean you're old. It means the game's old. <laughs> and with that being said, I guess I technically have three because one was 360 and just I, I overlooked it. Um, but I'll say the two GameCube ones first. Um, I will say the GameCube I got in 2003. It was my 
my first birthday gift I can actually remember. And that was my first experience with gaming. And so I have a very special connection to the GameCube. So the, the ones I wanted to mention were Teen Titans, which was A, my favorite show. I've binged it like three times. I remember the show and I loved it. Yes, it is. It, there's so much to, to say about the show, but the, the game was really good too. I'm going to go ahead and go with Connor's spoiler rule. The game's from like 2006, so you should know. Yeah, if the game hasn't, <laughs> The Last of Us Part Two has been out for however months. Um, let's see, eight months-ish, probably like seven and a half. After three or f- so months, if you go on the internet with games and you're looking for a game, you're going to get spoiled. So we get, I gave you fair warning. I don't care. <laughs> so spoiler alert. The thing that made this so cool was it was bef- this was technically before I started reading comics, even though I liked the Teen Titans show. Honestly, you could probably blame the show and the game for getting me into comics. You're playing out the game. You're playing as the titular five characters. You play as all five of them at the same time. When you're not controlling one, the others are just AI, but you can bounce back and forth at your leisure. And you're fighting every character from the show. It was very in-depth. And then at the end, when you do the final boss fight, you quote-unquote win, but you actually lose. And you're like, wait, what just happened? How did I not win? And then all of a sudden, they both they all wake up in a black screen. And they're like, wait, the bad guy all along was you, the guy behind that TV screen. And they like break the fourth wall. And it was like mind-boggling for like a five-year-old. <laughs> So the <laughs> I could see little post just over in the corner crying because he had just his imagination just blown to pieces with that game. Exactly. And I still remember the ending as clear as day. And so that that alone made that game great. But also it was the first game ever that I completed fully a hundred percent. So like special place in my heart. Then the other two are both racing games. Kirby Air Ride and Super Mario, sorry, not Super Mario, Mario Kart Double Dash. Double Dash is still, in my personal opinion, the best Mario Kart that has ever existed. The A lot of the newer games, I personally feel like, are easier than the older ones. They Like, as an example, the one for the Switch, you can't fall off on Rainbow Road. That's like a staple in every Mario game that your friends are going to slide off on Rainbow Road. They literally put it in. Where you, even if you actively try to fall off, there's like an auto, nope, you don't fall off. And it like drifts you back on without you doing anything, which is like just so stupid. Double Dash is the best one in my personal opinion. And then Kirby Air Ride has a special place in my heart because that was the first Kirby game I played. Kirby's great. Half the time I never knew what I was doing, but much like GTA, it was just fun to goof off in. Like there's so much to do in the city that you can just kind of have fun and then like eight hours has passed and you're you like blinked and you're like where did it go um so yeah kirby air rides also great most of those are special places in my heart as far as why they're my favorites not necessarily because i go back and play them on a regular basis and then one more injustice so earlier you mentioned about how Corey is like amazing for god of war Ed Boone. Corey Barlog, one of the few people that knows what the fuck they're doing. <laughs> I'll repeat it until I'm dead. Ed Boone is the head guy for Netherrealm, who is who does Mortal Kombat Injustice. As much as I love the Mortal Kombat series, 
great. I'm forever going to buy those games. I've been playing them since I was young. I have to give it to Injustice. I just had to mention a NetherRealm game just because I also think Ed Boon like, knows what the people want and he gives it to you. Because Injustice comics that followed are, in my personal opinion, the best comic stories that I have read, especially year one through year three. They kind of fall off year four to five, but year one to year three comic stories i've read and the game the story in the original game that like the pre prequel comics led up to is also great being able to see superman as a villain being able to see him kill people yes he kills people spoiler alert um like the seeing your childhood like in a realistic adult way was just awesome as far as like fighting games go i just generally lean towards injustice because partly i love dc comics but the i had to i had to pick my the the first injustice as like the nether realm game that i mentioned because that one has like the best story in my opinion yeah and i've only played mortal kombat 10 and that was with you mm-hmm. so i'm very i'm a newbie when it comes to mortal kombat even though i whooped up on you <laughs> <laughs> but that was because i'd play it while you weren't there so that way i could beat you <laughs> the let me let me tell you how great Mortal Kombat's doing right now. The last DLC the last DLC character we got was freaking Rambo. Enough said. Yeah. Um <laughs> I think fighting games like they're fun, but there's just that learning curve that I've never been able to surpass that I've never gotten into them as much as probably you have. Yeah, that's understandable. The even I I'm not like I'm I'm not gonna be winning any any fighting game competitions. Um I've entered them, but I definitely haven't won any. But the yeah, there there's a learning curve. The sometimes I'll even play as a character that I may not like as much, but because their combos are just straight up easier for me to remember, I will play as them. Mm-hmm, yeah. So that is the quote unquote old games out of the way, correct? Yes. Okay. So there is a series that is old and that has been revitalized that I want to talk about before we go on, and that is Call of Duty. <laughs> um, Call of Duty has been a staple, sometimes a broken staple, but it's been there. Uh, a couple papers got loose, but we made it through. <laughs> Model for two. Black Ops, Black Ops 2. Eh, Modern Warfare 3 is iffy, but eh. And then we got we got kicked in the butt with some awesomeness when Modern Warfare 2019 or 2018, when did that come out? 19? Yeah, that was COD 2019. Yeah, so 2019, we got that. Then we got Warzone. You know, it's still probably one of the biggest games in the world at this point. A lot of people streaming it, a lot of people playing it, posting stuff on YouTube. And then you get Cold War that just came out this past year and then has blown people away, in my eyes, with zombies. Warzone's still good. Cold War and Modern Warfare multiplayer, whichever you like, it's, I think it's good. You're enjoying it. There's still some issues with it that could be improved on, but overall, you probably enjoy it if you like Call of Duty games. But zombies, I think, is the real staple for cold war this year i think it's going to continue to be the staple 
for this year with the new map that they're going to be releasing. With Firebase Z coming out very soon, I just think Cold War will be that game for zombies like how Black Ops was back in the day. Yeah, and I will say uh, I watched a YouTube video today that apparently uh, they're finally addressing the the anti cheat for Warzone. Um, as great as Warzone is, I know a lot of people. Have oh, heard it's only it. been two years, guys. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know a lot of p- people have found it uh, relatively unplayable, especially recently, because for some reason, like two weeks ago, three weeks ago, whatever it was, they straight up said, "Nah, cheaters can do whatever they want," and everybody was like, "I'm sorry, what?" <laughs> um, and so <laughs> the, uh, but yeah, I. I had never really quote unquote grinded COD. I had always just played it for fun with my friends until Warzone came out. Me and my friend played for eight hours a day, every day, for two weeks, three weeks, whatever it was when Warzone first came out. And part of that was aided by the fact that it came out like right as the pandemic hit. (laughs) So... Thankfully, there was no school, so I could be lazy and only play Warzone. Um, yes. So people listening to this in 2052, the COVID pandemic hit in 2020. <laughs> and Warzone came with that. People got so much time to play video games. It became one of the probably best games of the year in a lot of people's eyes. Yes. And I... I'm the perfect person to say that because I hated Battle Royale games before Warzone came out. And there was just something about it that I didn't even, like, I didn't bat an eye. I didn't, I didn't second guess it. I just played it, loved it, rolled with it. And I still won't try any, or sorry, I still won't play. I tried them all. I still won't play any of the other ones. There's something about Warzone. Um, but going, going off what you said, my personal uh, COD experience Modern Warfare 3 playing the survival mode was the only thing I did in Modern Warfare 3. Uh, I would play on Terminal, and me and my friend would just see as high as we could get. We were level 50s in like a day and just rolled with it. Black Ops 2, I played zombies nonstop. My, once again, me and the same friend, we would just play on town, see how high we could get. Then when Alcatraz came out, we would do the Easter egg. We would do all of that stuff. Alcatraz is still my favorite Call of Duty map of all time. Mob of the Dead, I believe, is what it's actually yeah. called. I, I just forgot off the top of my head. It is Mob of the Dead. You are right. It's Alcatraz. <laughs> I mean, going back to your Mafia thing, you can literally play as Ray Liotta. Like, it already wins. Although, I guess by that logic, I know there was a DLC in Black Ops 1 where you where there was a movie set and George Romero, who's like the king of all zombies, you could play as like Danny Trejo. So, I guess technically he's probably the best person you can play as. But then lastly, Black Ops 4 was really where I actually got into multiplayer. I played the control mode, which yes, I know they stole from Overwatch, but it was still good. First time I knew every map. I liked the back of my hand. I knew all of the spawns. I knew all of the uh, extra abilities that each player could use. I knew how to win in control. And that was the first time I prestiged. I got into a super high prestige. I grinded that game like crazy. And I think the moral of the story is that I personally prefer Treyarch games over Activision. No, Treyarch games over Infinity Ward. Sorry. Just once again with you, uh, I never played Modern Warfare multiplayer. I tried. I didn't like it. I actually enjoy playing 
uh, Cold War multiplayer. I still prefer zombies, but it's at least more playable in my eyes. And yeah, COD, COD has a special place in my heart, kind of like the sports games from earlier. They release one a year and I'm nine times out of 10 probably going to get it. Yeah, I mean, as soon as Modern Warfare came out or Warzone came out and I played it with you, that's when I got into Call of Duty seriously. Like playing it with no one else. It used to be a game where it's like, hey, you guys want to play? Yeah, wanna play. let's play Cloudback. Okay, we'll play it. I'm fine with it. But now I'm playing it by myself and just, you know, whether it's grinding camos or just leveling up or just playing Domination on Nuketown nowadays. It's been where I've had a lot of fun with Call of Duty, where I once didn't by myself. Yes, and I haven't really played grinded by myself since Black Ops 4. That I most exclusively played by myself. Primarily, I just play Cold War with you. I'm, I think that has more to do with timing, though. I feel like it is worth mentioning, like, for my speech on this conversation, my perspective on this conversation. I stopped playing COD after Black Ops 2, I believe. Uh, and, like, I didn't play Black Ops 3, Ghost, uh, Infinite Warfare, Advanced Warfare. Then I returned with World War 2. So take that for what you will. But I, I took a big old break. And then World War II was like, I, I liked the story, but the multiplayer was like, eh. And then Black Ops 4 is what won me back. Yeah. I think there's, since Call of Duty is made by various companies, they all have their specialty. So Infinity War is definitely story. You can't tell me Modern Warfare's story isn't one of the greater ones. It's a very good Especially story. Modern Warfare 2. They know what they're doing, and I think them bringing back Captain Price and that whole story board of characters in the new Modern Warfare was a great idea because everyone loved them, everyone still loves them, and what they did was amazing. And then Treyarch is the more arcade esque type of game where you know movement's faster, and then you have zombies, and you also have Dead Ops Arcade too, which is a literal arcade game. You know, there's different aspects of the game that you might like, depending on what kind of games you like. And I prefer Treyarch, I'm pretty sure, because I'm a run-and-gun style player, and the aforementioned fast-paced Treyarch games are just much better for my playstyle. <laughs> yeah, I think the, the fastest pace you're going to get is on shipment from Modern Warfare, but overall, it's probably going to be most Treyarch maps that are more fast-paced, I would probably say. Not an expert, not a professional, but I am a guy who plays video games. So take that for what you will. Moving off Call of Duty, because I feel like we've beat Call of Duty to death enough. We don't want him to respawn here. Um, <laughs> is a game that I am currently playing now. Um, I don't put games on my like top games of all time list while I'm playing them very often. Red Dead Redemption 2 was one of them. After the first two chapters, I'm like, yep, this is goaded. Let's put it on the list. But the game I'm playing right now, even though it is getting close to four years old, is Horizon Zero Dawn. The first couple hours, I was like, okay, this is kind of cool. But then once the story started unfolding, I was like, oh, shit. This is awesome. I love where this is headed. And then you it became the open world that it was supposed to be. Like, it really just opened up. Like, it's like, okay, now you can do whatever you want. 
as soon as that happened, I fell in love, and I don't think I'm going to stop playing it for weeks on end right now. I may play this game for two to three weeks from here on out. That's a rude statement to say. Two to three weeks from here on out. <laughs> the It's interesting because um, the two PlayStation exclusives that would actually make me want to get a PlayStation are Until Dawn and Horizon Zero Dawn. Both just look great and then focusing on Horizon because that's the one you're talking about. I like how you didn't say God of War, though. Yes, I. so see... <laughs> I always thought Kratos looked dope and I love mythology. So like the idea was there. I never really watched gameplay. I never really knew what the games were about. Of course, I never had the ability to play them. So I, there's probably a numerous amounts of reasons why, but I would probably put God of War third um, as far as games to make me get a PlayStation until Dawn is by far number one. I like horror games a lot and I had, of course, I had to watch someone play it, but that story is amazing, and it's a shame that company has not been able to recapture that. Um, they've been doing their, I think it's called the Dark Pictures Anthology. Uh, Man of Madon and the other one they did have just both bombed terribly. Nowhere close to what Until Dawn was, and it's just sad. Yeah, um, going back to Horizon. Yes, sorry. Uh, you're good. Actually, I'll say this. I've never played... Until Dawn. So I can't speak on it. I do know the story is pretty good. God of War, I didn't play one, two, or three or any spinoffs. And I got deeply invested in the God of War, even though I didn't play. And there were some story elements that I was kind of fused, confused with because I didn't know what was happening or the connection to what was there. There was mainly just one character at one point where like, he they came back, quote unquote, and I was like, I don't know the relation between Kratos and this character. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of iffy on like my understanding of why they're there, what the purpose of them and being there is. But other than that, it was amazing. I loved it. Whatever. Now going back to Horizon Zero Dawn. Um, it's been out long enough. Again, spoiler, if you don't want to hear it, you can skip forward. But I don't care. I want to talk about it. The whole point of this, or the whole idea of the game is that there's people who are living in tribes that are kind of more primal-esque than what we would be considered today, but it's still got that kind of basic kind of human being aspect to it. Like, there's cities, there's areas that are, you know, like hunting grounds and stuff like that. Anyways, and then there's machines that were created before, like, the quote-unquote apocalypse I don't know the whole story just yet, so I can't speak too much on it. But you play as Aloy, who is a daughter of someone that helped create these machines, if I'm not mistaken, and also helped destroy humans, like civilization as we know it. I'm not that far in the story just yet. That's why I've kind of gotten picked up on. So it is a continuation of our current timeline. So... At the point in 2017, they said that in 2020, Aloy's mom would be born, and that by 22, she would be a chief scientist for this corporation that is making these robots for environmental help. They were going to, quote-unquote, claw back. I don't know what they said in the actual thing, but 
it was basically just to help the environment be more green and the machines would help do that. And then a machine swarm or group of machines kind of went rogue and they weren't able to control them. And then things went south. And that's as far as I've gotten to the game so far. And then somehow the theory for me is that Aloy, this doctor's daughter, is alive, but it's like hundreds of years later. And now she is being tasked to shut down this cult who are trying to revitalize the machines that have that were the problem in the first case, which was like 2050-ish. So 2050-ish is when shit went down with Aloy's mom and the machines going rogue. And now 100 years later, Aloy's trying to stop those same machines by what? Same, using the same thing that her mom did, which where's where I'm at in the story. She's trying to find out what her mom did. So that way she can stop this cult who's trying to revitalize or re- bring back these machines. Okay. It sounds like a pretty interesting story. Yeah. Um, the gameplay is really good too. It is a, it's almost an Assassin's Creed esque type game where stealth is not, it's not a crutch thing to do, but it's better than not doing stealthily. Like you can get one hit or two hit by machines very easily. So if you kind of, take it slow, look at how you can attack it, and then do it, you're more beneficial to actually progressing into the story, accomplishing what you're wanting to do, and stuff like that. Okay. Rather than going in with your bow and arrow and a spear, trying to take down this you know, two-story tall machine that has a cannon on it. <laughs> okay. So it is it's very interesting. It's a very interesting concept. Uh, with the machines and all, and the story's very good. And then I haven't talked about voice actors at all in this game, but Ashley Birch, anything she does, I'm going to love. And going back to a game we talked about earlier in Borderlands, she did Tiny Tina. So if you can go from Tiny Tina and Aloy, you you got me. Whatever game you're in, whoever you're voicing, I'm going to pick it up just because I like you that much. And Ashley Birch has done that. And I think any game she puts out will be that way. Okay. It- well, any game she voices in, she doesn't actually make the game. <laughs> All right. Good to know. Good to know that she that she's won you over. <laughs> um, real quick before you go to your next one, since we mentioned Until Dawn and they're kind of in the same conversation when people talk about like best horror game ever, I want to mention one on my games. It's Outlast. Most people have heard of this. Most people probably know the story. Um, I, as I mentioned before, really enjoy horror games. Surprise, surprise. This is probably the best game story that I have ever had the pleasure of encountering. It's just so perfectly put together. Uh, the jump scares are great. They're not overdone. The villain is great. Uh, the story is amazing. I don't want to use great again. <laughs> um, <laughs> everything about it's really perfect. And unfortunately, at least for me, when I've tried to play other horror games, I feel like I've kind of been ruined by Outlast. And I get, I guess to an extent until dawn, but I only watched someone play that one. So I didn't really get a chance to en- engulf inside of it. But I played Outlast for a really long time. So <laughs> the... The the ones that I've tried to play since then just kind of are like a rung below it. The reason why, and this was like really a, a, like a, it meant a lot. You will never know true pain and agony until you 
play Outlast and have to worry about finding batteries, just nonstop batteries. And if you don't find batteries, you know you're going to get scared the minute you go around the corner. So you've got to search for a battery, but it's probably not a battery. And then you're just screwed because you just like, you know, the scare is going to come because you can't do anything in the game really without the batteries. But they're so few and far between. And it's like such an agonizing mechanic, but also such a great mechanic because it makes the game that much scarier. <laughs> and like the, the, the batteries just... You never, you never, you, it's something you take for granted that the game just makes mean so much. And yeah, it, Outlast is great. There's been a, a couple games recently that I've also enjoyed that have come out on the PlayStation 4 and Xbox One. Um, and one of those is Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order. It is strictly story. It was really cool uh, because of you play this quote-unquote Jedi, he isn't... I wouldn't say he's a Jedi, but he kind of is. He's like a Force-sensitive person to where like if he was trained throughout his whole life by a Jedi, he probably would have become one. However, uh, early on, his master, which is voiced by Travis Willingham, another person, just like Ashley Birch, if you voice something, I'm probably going to want to play it. He, he voices his Jedi master, and he ends up dying. And then he's kind of left on his own. And he doesn't get like the rigorous training of a Jedi would, but he still has that base that he was taught as a kid. So he kind of is and he kind of isn't. Okay. So going from that, he goes on an adventure to find four sensitive children to revitalize the order of the Jedi. However, he eventually chooses not to. I don't care that's a spoiler again. Game's been out for a while. And then he does whatever he does in his life. And that's kind of where it leaves off, which is kind of disappointing because, you know, you're trying this whole game. You're trying to find this list of children. So that way you can go save them and re bring back the Jedi. And then you end up choosing not to. So that's really my only complaint with the game. But other than that, the combat's amazing. The soundtrack's really amazing, um, especially when he is Cal is in the arena, and they play the Who's song. With I don't think they actually released it on an album or anything, but they kind of worked with EA to make the song for the game. I only played it once. Probably won't play it again, just because of the story. But I still enjoyed it enough to mention it today. I know this is random, but I was curious what else Ashley Birch was in. So I was looking it up. She voiced Mel in Last of Us Part 2. So you're required to make that one of your favorite games ever. I, we talked about Last of Us Part 2. I know. Which... It's got to jump the list. <laughs> yeah. So again, Last of Us Part 2 had two other actors. Um, if you ever watch Critical Role, this is probably why I love them so much. Ashley Johnson, Ashley Johnson and Laura Bailey, two of the main characters in the game. Facebook, both of those two. Love them. Love what they do, their work and everything. Any game that they have voiced over a character, I'm going to want to play it or at least watch it. Nice. Yeah. The Ashley Johnson is on Blind Spot. That's like the only thing I know her from. <laughs> that is my list. Uh, I have two more games. Uh, they were never really a, a good point to interject. Um, and they are both 
probably my actual like favorite games of all time. So ironic that you started with yours and I'm going to be ending with mine. Um, first, I'll say the runner up, which is a game that I only recently got into. I guess it'd be about six or seven months ago now, but um, very quickly grew to love and still play to this day and will still be continuing to play. That is Dead by Daylight. <laughs> Sticking with the horror theme, we have a game that is your classic four survivors on one killer. Done right. I feel like part of the reason why I like this game so much is because I started so late in that they basically had a chance to fix all of the bugs from very early on. However, it is just great as someone whose favorite movie genre is slasher films. The fact that most of the DLC killers are slasher like mainstays is just another element to the game that is great to be scared killed murdered whatever you want to say by the people you grew up watching is fun uh, to play them is great even to play as the survivors from those dlcs is just another level in and of itself there's a lot of uh, my friend said this best so i apologize i'm stealing his line every match is like a chess game and that is why it doesn't get old Though you are doing the same general objectives every time, one move will be different, which makes the whole rest of it different. And that's to me why I feel like it doesn't get old and why I can play it nonstop and just have so much fun with it. The, the brain game of trying to outthink the killer when you're a killer trying to outthink the survivor is just so much fun. Um, so Dead by Daylight has to be mentioned. And then... Lastly, my favorite game of all time, still to this day, is Left 4 Dead 2. The reason why I say Left 4 Dead 2 and not Left 4 Dead 1 is because the one I played was Left 4 Dead 2, and the DLC they had for the game was every map from Left 4 Dead 1. So basically, by getting the DLC in Left 4 Dead 2, you are playing both games. So I did technically play Left 4 Dead 1 as the DLC. And Left 4 Dead 2 is just it's hard to explain because obviously it's not black ops zombies but it's you and three of your friends mowing down zombies with no real threat until a special zombie shows up because let's face it the zombies in left for dead 2 are like like if you were punching up cotton or something like the, that's a terrible analogy but the they, yeah, it really is <laughs> they they mean nothing. You mow them down like it's your lawn. And so uh, the it's just the fun of going through, doing the tasks, making it through the levels, trying not to die to the specials. One time your friend makes a stupid mistake that leads to you dying to the specials. And the, 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 the story itself is really good. I love all the game modes. I love the DLCs. Another one that's more or less close to my heart in that I just spent a lot of hours in middle school playing this with my friends, even into high school. The last time I technically played it with a friend was senior year of high school. However, I've gone back to play it solo myself. This was the only Xbox 360 game that I 100% completed. I did every challenge, uh, even though some of them were just ridiculous, but as I got older, I don't know if I just stopped to care about doing completionist stuff or if they just got harder or they got more in depth. There's probably a ton of philosophical things you could say, but Left 4 Dead 2 is the only game that I ever completed fully. Like I 
could never pick up the game again and it would be complete. And yeah, Left 4 Dead 2 is my favorite game of all time. All right. Well, I don't have any other games to talk about. I mean, I could sit here and talk about games that I would think I would enjoy, but I've never played. But I don't want to sit here and talk about that because I've never played it and make false accusations on those games. <laughs> Anyways, um, is there anything else you want to talk about? Yeah, no, I'm good. Thank you all so much for listening. If you want to, please start a conversation in the comments down below. Tell us what your favorite games are. Roast us because we have some favorite games you don't like. You know, just have some fun down there. Um, also, and I'm going to say this. if <laughs> Keep in mind, if there's a game you like and you enjoy and everyone else thinks it's trash, but you enjoy it, play it, enjoy it, have fun. You should not be. I hate. I'm going a little rant here before we end it. I hate elitism. <laughs> it's stupid. It's unnecessary. And why would you do that for a hobby or for some people a job in video games? If you don't like a game, don't play it. If you love a game, play it. Simple as that. <laughs> it's it's very true. Life is too short. And if that's your favorite game, just own it. If, so, if someone's going to try and knock you down, that's their own personal problem. It's 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 just life's too short. Um, yeah, thank y'all. But 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 RDR two is the best game of all time. <laughs> I think that's L my statement. Take it to put it on my grave. L four D two is the best game of all time. Hey, they both have a two in them, so agree to disagree. All right. <laughs> all right, y'all. Please leave a like and subscribe, and we will be back next week. Thank you for listening. Bye.